Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 154. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Great Gable. The indie rock band from Perth, Australia have just announced their second studio record and are celebrating by releasing the brand new track, Dancing Shoes. In today's episode, we're speaking with frontman Alex Whiteman about working again with Matt Corby, the brand new single, and we discuss the music of Billy Joel and the Arctic Monkeys. Here we go. Our guest today is one quarter of one of the best up-and-coming indie bands from Perth, Australia. Today, they're announcing their second studio record entitled On the Wall in the Morning and are releasing the brand new single Dancing Shoes to celebrate. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Alex Whiteman from Great Gable. Good afternoon, sir. How are we? G'day, Simon. How are you going? Very well, thank you. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. Good. That's good to hear. Um, it's a very big week for Great Gable. It's a very big day, actually. Congratulations, because there's um, there's a brand new single out with Dancing Shoes and the announcement of a second album. Congrats. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. I kind of <laughs> forgot, kind of forgot to be honest, because we were just like, we've just been wrapped up in playing some gigs, but um, it was nice to come home from the tour and then just get get some good news, like a new song being released, you know? Of course it is. Um, yeah, as we said, it's a brand new single. It is Dancing Shoes. I feel that uh, the title of the song almost kind of follows the, um, what's the word for it? I know that there is a word for it, but it, it's almost like instructions for the the oral equivalent of what you're hearing. It is an upbeat track. It is one to get everybody uh, terribly cliche with their dancing shoes on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where did this song come from? Well, that's funny because... Um... <clears throat> I guess like I was like the last one to the party on this on this song and I obviously like being I sing. So um when the um the drummer Cal he brought this song in and it just felt only natural to sing kind of like what 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 like you know the vibe of this track I was hearing and so I thought it's a bit cheesy and that but like the full eighties like put on your dancing shoes, like you spot someone across the, the dance you know, oh, the, the uh, dance floor and, like, the light shining on them or whatever. Like, that's the kind of vibe the track gave me, so that's where I wanted to go down, I guess. That's very cool. With um, with the, uh, I guess, I mean, we'll, we won't talk too much about the album, but I guess talking about the songwriting process of, of this track, when you've got four members, you've got everyone kind of with their own respective parts and the, the parts that they play in the band, how does the songwriting process work? Are you a front man who is someone who kind of 
you know, writes everything, melody, lyrics, and and then gives the other guys instructions, or is it is it more of a collaborative kind of affair? Um, it's definitely. Um, it, I guess it used to be a bit more like the guitarist Matt and I would do most of the songwriting, but as it's gone on, uh, the two other boys, Chris the bass player and Cal the drummer, have started bringing in more tracks and stuff. And this album, and you know, Dancing Shoes shows it that we've just um, we've kind of just worked on everyone's tracks and like whatever someone's brought in, we've just gone, oh, let's give it a crack. And we jammed them all a lot more. Like we, ne- we never used to, sh- we stopped jamming for a while as bands do, you know, and just start like recording like <clears throat> on bloody logic or whatever and just start demoing a track just straight off the bat. But we, for this album, we just wanted to start jamming again. So if, if someone had an idea, some chords, we'd just bring it in. But then when it comes to like the lyrics and the melody, it's, 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 yeah, it's like I'll come up with that over the top, I suppose, and then like with the help of the boys and some some of the tracks, uh, the boys will have melodies as well, you know, which is cool. Yeah, of course. I imagine that you guys have been together, I want to say, I think it's from around 2016 or 15? Yeah, well, there might have been a year before that where it was just pre the guitarist and I just, um, just fluffing about playing like acoustic gigs. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Um, about 2015, I think we started. I imagine that having started, yeah, around that time, that's a good seven years that mm. in that time the band as a machine kind of learns to, you know, grow and adapt and 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 change when it does come to producing music and writing music. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like it's just been um, you just kind of learn, learn a lot from other people, I suppose. So we don't want to like... And you just, yeah, I don't know, everyone's got such good ideas. It's like it would be silly not to, like, um, make it like a four, four-way four deal, you know. So then everyone's got a piece of it as well and everyone everyone wants to, like, work hard for the band, which is cool. Yeah, of course, yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a good way to do it. It's a, it's a fair democratic way to, to kind of have your band and then be able to carry, yeah. carry it that way, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just like we all have to, all four of us have to approve of it, I suppose, which is, um, I don't know, it gives it, gives it a bit more of a stamp for us, like, before deciding on what to do, you know. Yeah, of course. The the single and the new record that is being announced today, it is entitled On the Wall in the Morning, uh, and it is very exciting. It's the second full-length record to come out under the Great Cable name, but it's also the first under Rainbow Valley Records, yeah. um, which is, I, I imagine, a very exciting kind of time for you guys working with um, Matt and Alex. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're just they're legends, you know. We just um, we get really get along with them, and um, obviously, just um, we 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 love Corby's music and stuff, and we think he's so talented. And then Alex is, yeah, he's got like this certain. Uh, uh, peaceful vibe, I suppose, and to have around. So it's all, it all just seems to work really well. And like, I'm glad doing the first one with them, first album we did with them, Tracing Faces, and then being able to do it again second time. But like, we just got, we got to spend a fair bit more time doing it, which was awesome. I can imagine anyone just touching on what you said, Alex being a laid back person. I can imagine that whoever Matt Corby is keeping around with him isn't kind of a, uh, a frantic or the opposite of him. I imagine that they are in the same kind of wheelhouse and um, uh, 
what's the word, the same kind of energy that he's keeping. Mm, yeah, well, I think, and they've also been friends for a very long time as well. So, because I know Alex like writes lyrics for Corby as well, so <clears throat> he's got to know him pretty well to do that. Yeah, very, very true. Very true. Did um, on top of producing, did they kind of step in at all when it did come to the songwriting, when it came to the lyrics or anything, and try and I guess uh, you know improve or give their own kind of take on on what you guys were doing? Um, on maybe maybe one of like two or three of the tracks, we had like a bit of a songwriting, like you know, um, I suppose like we maybe we didn't have enough parts or something like that, and we'd work on a part together, but not really, hey, because we spent so long recording or demoing, like jamming and demoing these songs. We had like close to like 25, 30 tracks to pick from, and um. They picked, like, the ones they liked and we'd, we'd make sure we'd kind of rehearse them all before coming over and then, like, most of the, I there wasn't too much writing. It was just, like, recording from the, from the day dot, you know. Yeah, of course. With, um, with the track list like that, and I know you said they kind of picked out their favourites, when it comes to you four with the band picking out those tracks and I imagine each of the four of you having your own favourites, what is that process like and how does it kind of end up if you aren't able to kind of get your your pick or your your key track over the line? Um, well, I guess it's just like, um, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting one because, like, when we wrote so many songs, I guess, like, we had, like, I had definitely, like, a few that I was, like, hoping to kind of get in. But everyone's got, like I said, like it's got to be four ways and if it's not, then there's no point even like arguing about it or whatever, you know. <laughs> and yeah, um, we, trusted Corby's ear. we trusted Corby's ear to pick out the, the ones he thought was the best as well. So it was just like, well, like, all right, if this this is what Corby reckons, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. <laughs> That's fair. I can imagine that, yeah, you've got to put trust in, in your producer and also those, those around you. Um, Alex, Going back to uh, something we touched on a second ago with the start of Great Gable, I think, uh, as you said, maybe around 2015, 16, maybe a bit before, do you remember what originally kicked off the the idea of a band? I heard that I think it had something to do with one or two of you coming home from a Jack Johnson gig and wanting to kind of make music yourself. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I suppose pre, the guitarist Preen and I, we met in like, Prime, oh, high school, started high school or something like that, playing cricket together. And um, music from for us just like de- took like developed over a long, long time. Like we kept, we just always came back to each other with, you know, wanting to play to play with each other. And then, but I, I guess like to, to really want to start the band, we started going to gigs and stuff. And probably probably like when we were about nineteen, twenty just watching local gigs around Perth and stuff like that and, um, you know, started um, hanging out with that sort of the, the musically inclined sort of crew that want to go go out to music. And then we just thought it was really cool, like the people on stage and just like that's what I remember it kind of being the start of wanting to do the band, you know. I, before that, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We guess we loved music and we loved playing music, but we didn't really know, we didn't really know about, you know, gigs and stuff because we grew up down in Bunbury, so there's there was barely anything. You don't know how to get to, you know, even writing a song. You know, so when we started going to gigs in Perth, when we moved up, that I guess that's when we wanted to start the band. You know, 
and that was probably like 2014, 2013 maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting kind of – we've spoken to a lot of acts about this, that WA and Perth continues to like pump out just these incredibly quality bands and acts and artists that seem to kind of – I feel like uh, before we started the interview, we were discussing where we both were and I was saying Adelaide and no disrespect to Adelaide, but I feel like we have an art, like one good artist every few years that kind of pushes past the local scene. Whereas I feel like Perth continually does that yourselves, Sly Withers, um, Dulcie, who you can, can kind of like continue to name bands. Um, what do you think it is about the music scene in WA? And I guess more so, in, as you just said, in Bunbury, which is a little bit, um, more r- remote than maybe Perth, like what's the music scene like yeah. there and how do you find yourself in the position that you're in now, like playing with Matt Corby and, you know, touring the, the country? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just like, I guess I also know with Perth before, like kind of anyone gets to know them over east, they've probably been gigging around for four or five years in Perth. Like that's what kind of happened with us. We just, you know, um, like you said, it's been seven years for us and some people are probably only hearing us for the first time on Triple J and stuff like that because it's only this is the first time we've kind of been played in that. So, or like maybe last year as well. But <clears throat> I guess I guess it's just like a lot of, yeah, I, don't, I can't tell you why, but there's just a lot of good music. You get to see a lot of live, good live music. And, um, but yeah, Sly Withers as well, they've probably been doing it for fucking seven or eight years as well, like, having a good crack at it, you know, and we've known them since the start of our trip as well. Like, so, um, I don't know what the trip, I don't know like what it is about (laughs) Perth. It's great. It's just like, I don't know. It's just great. It's good to see though. Cause you can, cause like, it's great to be able to gig around Perth, but I think everyone wants just a bit more. They want to go, they know that like the East coast is where there's so many more people, you know, yeah, of course. I can imagine, um, and it's not a subject I like to talk about a lot on this podcast only because everyone's been through it for the last two years, so I don't really need to focus on it. But I can imagine when WA was, well, when the country was going through COVID, but WA kind of, you guys had festivals and gigs back before anyone else. So I can imagine it might have almost been like a return to form almost, like just playing to to people in Perth and WA and not being able to go to the the East Coast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, I, I suppose the tough thing for us is that we always had like, because people people gig and, gig, um, booking gigs so far in advance for us and that. Like, I guess, oh, I guess it was good to be able to go watch live music in Perth, but us as a band, we can only play in Perth so many times before people stop buying fucking tickets, you know. I guess, like, and we played, we played a couple of times at the end of the year last year, and I think on New Year's Eve and stuff like that. And then at the start of this year, we had, like, this tour booked and just kept on getting pushed back and back and back. So, like, you can't really book shows around that. And so you don't end up playing for a bit because, like, like I said, like, you know, we will play in Perth once, like, a couple of times in a row and then normally we go around the country again and, like, kind of helps create, build the hype to come back to your hometown. So we haven't played heaps. And then so going on tour was a bit, a bit of a refresher for us, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, from what I saw is that you guys were able to make it around most of the country. I think you've got some dates in WA in end of May, start of June and some, some New Zealand dates. But what was it like being able to get back out onto the road and play some of those the East Coast shows finally? Well, I, it was a good reminder of what we do, I suppose. Like we I feel like we kind of, you know, you kind of forget that you, um, that you play sh- shows like that because they were probably like the biggest ones we've played. But because – because it's been so long, it was just like kind of hard to soak that up because you're just like, oh, what are the chords? Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> did you guys find that, I guess, with that time apart and with Great Cable, I would say becoming a bigger name over the last few years, did you find that there was a, a larger uptake in, I guess, the venues that you're playing and in the, the volume of fans that you're seeing at the shows? Um. Well, it's been it's tough because like you see, like I feel like in the past we've seen like bigger jumps happen in a shorter period of time, and then but this one over the last couple of years, I feel like it's definitely not been it's definitely not been as big as a jump as if it was if we got to keep like going on tour and stuff like that. There's because the tours just help so much because like we just love playing live and like um, we feel like we put on a good show and stuff, so. Uh, we really try hard at it as well. So it's it's been – I feel like Triple J helped a bit, like playing and spinning our tunes and stuff, but even then, like, they might only know a couple of tunes and then, like – but I guess, it's, I guess it's hard to say. I guess it's been cool that it's, we've just been lucky to keep going as a band because some bands haven't been able to, like, um, um, get through all that COVID stuff, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. It is a um, more increasingly difficult kind of thing to navigate, I guess, is the word. What was what we're seeing, like speaking to bands, is that you're just having to kind of have plan A and then about five different plans in your back pocket in case. Yeah, that's exactly it. And like um, everyone that's like all your booking agents and all that, they're going crazy because I, well, they were going crazy because they just have to keep on re- rescheduling shows, rebooking shows. And then you can't get the same venue because it's all booked up. And then you just like it's crazy. It was probably it would have been a nightmare being a booking agent over the last couple of years. Hundred <laughs> percent. I know that artists have had it tough throughout the last two years, and I imagine that yeah, the teams behind as well 
have a, had a, just as much of a nightmare as well. So kudos to not just yourselves as the artists, yeah, yeah, yeah. but also, you know, the booking, as you said, booking artists, the publicists, everyone. It's kind of um, hopefully a bit of a return to form that we're seeing at the moment. So um, I imagine and I imagine and I don't want to get in too much trouble with your said publicist, um, so I won't push my luck too much. But uh, as we mentioned, there's some New Zealand dates um, in June, obviously with the album out in July. Could we expect to maybe see Grey Cable around the country at another point uh, later this year? Oh, definitely, man. We're gonna. I, I can't actually tell you when. I can't remember, to be honest, is why I can't <laughs> tell you. But I think it might be october somewhere around there. But we're definitely coming around the country again this year. Um, probably get a bit of get in a bit of sleep after the New Zealand tour, maybe a month. So I think I'm going to go to the UK for a bit, visit my old man. But then after that, yeah, we'll, we'll be going on tour later in the year. And that's very exciting. Have you guys had much? Um, interest has there been much kind of like love from overseas for Great Gable at the moment? Oh man, we're always getting messages. Uh, come to Brazil, make us love, you know. But it's sick. it's so cool, it's so cool. But yeah, I think we've got like so I, I, I think some fans in South America and um, probably some in the UK and the states and stuff. We get some messages saying come to LA and all that. But I don't know. You've got to start kicking over there, you know. So hopefully in the next year year we can start doing that. 100%. I, um, I actually think the fact that you mentioned Brazil, I was trying to think before of the markets where your music might, um, sorry, might work well, and Brazil uh, was one of the ones that uh, came to mind. So, yeah, I reckon, I reckon you guys would kill it in Brazil personally. But. Mm. Yeah, well... Yeah, we do. Yeah, that is the most popular message come to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex, yeah. would you be happy to talk about the playlist that you sent through for us today? Yeah, no worries, no worries. It's clear by this playlist that you. I would say, and this is meant as a compliment, a bit of an old soul at heart. There's a lot of classics on here. I feel um, there is the Beatles, there's Paul Kelly. Um, one song that I uh, personally love, I don't, I was going to put it up behind me and I don't know where my copy has gone, um, of Billy Joel in Vienna. Oh, it's beautiful. Hey, yeah, Absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous album. Um, but I was, yeah, I was going to ask what made you uh, put this song on on the playlist. Well, um, I remember just like mate, it was only like a few months ago. My girlfriend just started playing it all the time, like whenever she hopped in the car. And I was just like, I was like, man, this guy's voice. I was like, this is unreal. I was like, I was like, because I thought it was, I almost thought it was Elton John when I first heard it, and then. And then I was like, is this Billy Joel? Because, like, I've just always just, like, just the tone of his voice. So there's no one better. There's act- mm. actually, like, no one with such a nice, rounded, like, and he, his fucking range and everything. It's really impressive. And just, like, the song is just great. Great. And there's no particular reason why. I just thought I've just been listening to it so much lately. I, like, me, me and Preeny, the guitarist, we learnt it. So we were, <laughs> we were like, we were really really enjoying playing it and stuff like mm. it's 
it's a fantastic song on that album as well. Um, what is it? The Stranger, The Strangler, The Stranger. Um, fantastic album. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I can't say I know the album too well, to be honest. So check it out. But like that, like a bit of a late bloom with Billy Joel, but I do love, I do love his voice. You know. Yeah, incredible voice, especially back then as well. So, um, yeah, beautiful. Is it a tenor? Whatever it is, it's, yeah, great voice. Um, another mm. one of the tracks that you had on um, on the playlist was Ryan Adams' To Be Young Is To Be Sad Is To Be High, which is off uh, his incredible Heartbreaker record. Mm. Uh, what made you pick this song? And, and it is it is a great track. It's a, one of the best opening tracks to a record, I think. Yeah, um, I think, you know, the funny thing is, is just like that, I, I discovered that song just before we started recording the album at, at Corby's, Corby's house. I think I was on the way to the to the studio, like, we just flew in and I think one of the boys' phone was just going through, like, shuffle randomly through, like, we'll just listen to some, it's like old country or something like that, I suppose, and that song came on and just as soon as I heard it, uh, the chorus, I was just like, Whoa, what's this? Like, and, and I've, and like, this is funny because I've never really listened to any, any of um, Ryan Adams stuff, you know? And then now I've had a big, I've dived into all of his stuff. And he's like, it's, he's like an unreal songwriter, you know? In, yeah. The, the songwriting on that record is some of the best old country that I think has been uh, it has been put out in the, like the last 10, 15, 20 years, however old the record is. But, um, yeah. Yeah, no, great lyrics, you know. And it's like I've got, yeah, I've got a, I've got a um, soft spot for like a country twang, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> and that's what he, in that song he gets real kind of like, he gets, yeah, pretty, pretty cool with that, you know. A hundred percent. I feel like you and I are very similar in that I – will like like an alternative or a folky song with a country lilt almost to the edge. If it pushes over and it's too country, then it's there, but he kind of takes yeah. it right to the perfect line. Mm, mm. No, yeah, I do. No, I, 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 I dig that tune, you know, so I've listened to it since I discovered it. I reckon I've listened to it every other day, you know, like I listen to it quite a bit. Yeah, it's an incredible song. Um, another song on the players that you had was Nina Simone with I Want a Little Sugar in My Bowl. Um, yeah. Yeah. What was it about this song? Oh, I just like, I just love the lyrics. Like I thought I just, um, and Nina Simone, her voice is fucking epic, you know. I just, I can't I can't remember, like, like I just remember I used to listen to that. I used to used to listen to a lot of soul and stuff like Otis Redding and like, and um, uh, what was that? I've got all the records over there. But Otis Redding was the main one, Nina Simone anyway. And um, yeah, yeah, I've always listened to this tune and it just like, it's always just like the lyrics I just thought are so, so kind of cheesy and I like, I just love that, you know, but it's like really done in such a cool way. It is an um, incredible, incredible track and Nina Simone just in general. Um, I feel like has some well, just gorgeous lyrics and, and gorgeous songwriting. Uh, the the last song that I wanted to talk about was Arctic Monkeys with She's Thunderstorms. And I have to admit, when I read that the new track was called Dancing Shoes, my mind did go to, um, is the track called Dancing Shoes off the first album? 
Maybe, yeah, it might be. They, they've got like a lyric that's practically the same thing, like, um, yeah, go on I, your dancing <laughs> I'm glad that you one, did yeah. it because I didn't. I did not want to do my Alex Turner impression because it is a lot worse <laughs> than that. That was lovely to listen to. Mine's way worse. Um, what made you put on uh, this this track? She's Thunderstorms by Arctic Monkeys. Oh, it's pretty rocking one, and I like that that Suck It and See album. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Suck It and See, or is it Humbug? Suck It and See, yeah. And um, I've, I'm big Arctic Monkeys fan. You know? Big Arctic Monkeys fan. I just love love the dude's voice. And I love how. Hearing how it's like how it started to where it's to where it's got to now, and Suck It and See I think is one of those albums where it's like the defining like he's kind of really figured out how he wants to sing. I don't know why, but it's like he becomes a bit more croonery and stuff like on this album. And She's Thunderstorm, so it's like a real rocking tune. I, I like it, you know, and cool lyrics. Yeah. He comes up with pretty sick lyrics. I mean. He's always been good with lyrics, and I feel yeah, I agree. Suck It and See was a a weird turning point where I think they, the sound of the band, they went a little bit heavier, but he vocally was like, let's just fucking try anything. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, because he's like, yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty smart with what he does, I reckon. I really like his, I really like his, like all the kind of little phases that he's had. It's cool, it's yeah. cool to kind of be able to see it as well. 100%, 100%. Um, Alex, thank you very much for your time today. I do appreciate you being on the podcast. Congratulations again on Dancing Shoes. Congratulations again on the announcement of On the Wall in the Morning, which is out in July. Uh, but, yeah, thank you again for being on the podcast. No, just thanks for having us, Simon. Like, um, I hope I didn't ramble on too much. But, yeah, cheers for, cheers for having me. That's our show. A massive thank you to Alex Whiteman and Greg Gable for their time. Dancing Shoes is out now, and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to stream the single or pre-order the record for July. We also want to give a huge shout-out to Susie at Positive Feedback for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning, and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the player's profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers.